Another beautiful day in Middle Tennessee. Uh, maybe for another two hours. <laughs> the bottom to drops out. <laughs> talk about that. Your friendly neighborhood uh, severe weather podcast. Yeah, stay, stay tuned for alerts. Yeah. On the hour. Yeah. My wife comes alive when this happens because she wanted to be a meteorologist her whole life. Oh, right. And, uh, and when she had her brain surgeries now, the pressure affects her. Like, she knows it's coming yeah. beforehand. So it's like she has this sixth sense about weather and also super interested. So on a day like today, the TV stays on while we're working yeah. the entire day. Like, she follows it. I wanted to – remember when you had that, I had that movie idea for a guy who was uh, blind, but he could also, like, uh, uh, see ghosts. He could sense ghosts. And it was going to be called The Fifth Sense. Because he only, <laughs> he only had the original four. Wow. So when you add the ESP or the yeah, that's uh, the fifth sense. Yeah, I like it. And the tagline would be, I hear dead people. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny. Speaking of, yeah. by the way, uh, not being able to see. So yeah. today, <clears throat> well, my dog caused two problems. One, and my wife won't like it that I'm sharing this. Oh, because we're getting to the blindness because your dog is, is half so blind. Brutus is turning, an old, old dog. Brutus is turning 16 in uh, July. That's insane. How yeah. long do these dogs normally live? That breed, uh, they're hardy, evidently. Twelve. Oh wow! So yeah. he's yeah, he's, he's he's an outlier. You know, he sees some bad stuff. Bacon Johnny. and Dr Pepper every day. <laughs> he's seen some bad stuff. Johnny. He's okay. you know he I, he has you, well not anymore. And he sees nothing now. Yeah, yeah he, he still sees shadows. He's got the stuff. cloudy eyes. He kind of know. Yeah, they're very cloudy. Of course, he's a black dog, so they're like they look like yeah. two little pearls in his head now. Aww. But he's. He's actually doing pretty well if he could see. The issue is, is he's also experiencing some incontinence, right? Uh, which I know you know about. So, <laughs> <laughs> not a sponsor. Poise <laughs> undergarments so, for adult men. Yeah. And so, uh, I'm just kidding, guys. Johnny doesn't have incontinence. That I know. It's fine. And so, um, basically, I hired a carpet cleaning company today. Mm-hmm. So we're having this. <clears throat> we're having this. This debate this ethical debate in our house right now because now everyone knows i'm an enneagram six we all know that right and i'm a loyalist mm-hmm. and so uh i don't know if if they're if you could ascribe so you animals. Want to, are you loyal to the carpet <clears throat> or you're loyal to the dog right i'm loyal to my Can we put this dog down to save my carpet i can't bring myself <laughs> like i don't i hardly quit any relationships like but this yeah. dog's been such a he's very gentle how many relationships have we been in where someone was peeing on our proverbial carpet and, and we, i couldn't wrote it out i couldn't leave we couldn't yeah. leave nope can't leave nope can't get rid of the there used to be a book on codependency that i saw in the self-help section one time at like a barnes and noble and it was my favorite title ever it said i worship the very dirt he treats me like <laughs> 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 that's great well, you know, again, I've been through recovery, so I'm yeah. working on the codependency side. I do put up more boundaries, but he is a—he's like a little—he's a nine-pound yeah. Bichon poodle who's yeah. been loyal to me. Yeah, and he's your yeah. You, he's, you atta- uh, attachments to pets, I totally understand. So, so he—he is having—he's had a few accidents. Yeah, and so then we have another dog who we've been training, and he was trained. But then when Brutus started having accidents, now you have a younger oh, dog. He's a copycat, <clears throat> copy yeah. dog. So we're we're it's okay. We're not living in squalor necessarily over when you this. have hardwood in some of your home right but he goes and finds the carpet because that's where the scent that's is from correct. the last time he yep. peed. most of our house is hardwood but yeah so that's why today i had a carpet company carpet cleaning company out yeah and uh so his, his can't hide money his blind <laughs> i'm just kidding a lot of people just go rent the rug doctor from kroger but not john 
Well, we did that too, actually, oh, okay. for the rugs. Because you can't pay these companies to clean your rugs. It's super really? expensive. Yeah. Like the carpet they'll do in the rugs is like a whole different process, which you think would be simpler since it mm. doesn't have a pad or anything or anything. But John, that's a whole other story. Okay. Uh, for another day. All right. But his blindness caused us to have to do this. And so, and I did. Laura's like, I can't, I, we can't do this any longer. I was like, all right, you take him. Yeah. Like, what do you, are we going to go, you, you take him. Mm-hmm. It's just, well, so then we just were stuck here. So neither one of us like what's happening. We love the dog, and so we're just you know waiting for the right time. That time almost came today. Yeah, because not only was he blind, I had to bring somebody. When the guy was, I guess, was loading up. Now Brutus, he can climb steps, but it's a it's a process. Like yeah, he yeah, may yeah. fall down with a, a little dog them. anyway. Yeah. Right. So now he can't see the steps as well. Mm-hmm. So the garage door was open. He because the guy came in. And, you know, we had Ace is the one you worry about. He's the one that runs off and never come back. You had to chase him around. But Brutus is like, I mean, barely. I mean, he walks fine, but it's slow. Yeah. So we got done. I took a few more calls. I was coming to meet you. And I get in the car and I'm driving down the road. And I see Brutus Mm -hmm. a full, I don't know, it wasn't quite a quarter of a mile. Mm -hmm. I don't know how far or how he had done it. But Brutus somehow climbed down the steps over the guy's hoses out into the driveway without getting run over by the guy's van. Somehow had managed to not get run over in the street and had blindly followed his nose all the way down to the end of the block. And I just saw him in a ditch, just kind of meandering. And so I stopped and grabbed Brutus and he he was like walking up to the street, didn't even know I was there. So, uh, so, you know, he went, we call that going walkabout for our dogs. So that, and that's a long way, like a quarter mile for Brutus is like seven, isn't it? Seven to one. Is that how it? Maybe for, I'm just saying for his steps. That's for years. But I'm saying for his know, steps versus like if he was a golden retriever, he was on a long journey. Yeah, like this man and been, he's blind, so that's another. He, who knows? It's like how the Book long? of Eli. Remember the big, the big <laughs> who, thing at the book. Yeah. If you haven't seen, if you haven't seen uh, the Book of Eli, I'll spoil it's too it. Late, yeah. But I'm saying it's, I don't care as well. But he's blind. By the end of the movie, you realize he's blind the but whole time. He's been time. wandering this apocalyptic hellscape. Isn't that just like how? Our lives are, though, Johnny. Yeah. Aren't we all a we, little blind? A and little haven't we all jumped over hoses and ended up in ditches from time we, to time? Uh, <laughs> the sad part is if I hadn't left, which some days I don't leave right now, yeah. like, I would, we had no clue. Because you just don't even think he would go anywhere. Yeah. And uh, now I realize he still can. And, oh, my uh, gosh. And so, again, it, it plays back into this whole idea of, like, apparently. You've got to keep that dog inside. He's got a lot of. Uh, it's not safe. He's got a lot of life left to live. The guys want to go out and just start roaming around the neighborhood. What if you did what these apartment people do that can't walk their dogs? They're in urban areas. They get these little patches of, like, faux grass. Mm. And the dogs just stay inside and relieve themselves on that. And then you can, like, dump it out. I don't know what you do with it. It's almost like having your dog litter box train. You just do that. And then he doesn't. Because, listen, your dog. The, I mean, there's a lot of ditches out there. Mm. He's got 99 problems and a ditch is one. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not good. He could he could have been gone. You never would have. Well, again, it was a very rare moment where we had somebody working in the house. Like, it doesn't like he, mm. yeah. He must have smelled something out there with the carpet cleaner guy's oh, stuff. Right. And I don't know how he got down there. He could have tumbled down all those steps because he does that a lot. He has a real tuck and roll, though, kind of uh, way yeah. about him. Like, Stops, drops, and. He just kind of, you know. Somebody was talking about that on Twitter today that. We were told to stop, drop, and roll so many times as kids. He goes, I'm surprised that how, how few times I've caught on fire. Because they really focused in on it. Like, if you ever catch on fire. Yeah, that's true. Stop. And you, they'd make the kids repeat it back. You thought, are people just bursting into flames? <laughs> in the, or do adults just catch fire yeah. daily? 
Yeah, it's never it, happened. Isn't it interesting? All the things that we were. We, well, yeah, we talked about getting offered drugs. Like yeah, I've, we talked about the yeah. just say no and the uh, after school specials. Yeah, every after school special is just this. Yeah, which that's so funny. Like our your kids aren't going to grow up with like uh, a very special episode of every sitcom where right there's just like these weird like they have to handle a hardcore issue right because it's been this light silly show but now it's like in this episode. Tommy faces temptation <laughs> from a bad influence. Yeah. yeah. Michael J. Fox in. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, Every show's a bad influence now. And the bad influence is like the anti he's the character that you root for. Yeah. All the shows are like anti heroes. It's like, well, he sells meth, but he got cancer. So he had to <laughs> try okay. to protect provide for his family. You know, I do find I do find and, and maybe that's the uh so I'm talking Sunday some about brokenness. It's Palm Sunday. And, yeah. Um and I'm having some conversations with people about like the the way we use that term within our Christianity right now, especially at our church, especially because we're we're a kind of a recovery a recovery culture. Yeah. Um, it's money, you know. But this is everything we say. Do we have to acknowledge how broken we are every time we say anything? You know. And and I was talking about I'm going I'm going to talk about um, this balance of. Seeing your brokenness, but seeing the good that God, like there's, there's a rejoicing in the fact that you're broken because you're inviting. The reason we want to acknowledge brokenness is because that way we can be honest enough to invite Jesus and his people yeah. into those places. So I don't want to just sit here and tell you, like there are some people that get, uh, I've, I've heard this before in these circles, the, they, they come as addicts to recovery, but they become addicted to recovery. Mm -hmm. Like they, they need that, that. And there's a fine line there. Like, we all need consistent, you know, continual support. Yeah. Like, that's just, just community. That's the way it should be. And we all do, I think, default to some place of of self-reliant, if you want to use the religious term, a fleshly way of thinking, all those things all the time. So where is this balance of, like, you go to some churches and it's like, we're victorious. You know, everything is about how victorious we are. Yeah. But you know half the people are living addicted lives, that their marriages are in shambles. Like, Yeah, we grew up in that thing of, like, you say, like, we focused on that scripture, like, speak the things that are not as though they are. Yeah. And they were just like, that became the whole creed of, like, if your mom's in the hospital, you're almost afraid to even tell people. Yeah. I don't believe the report. I believe the report Lord of the, the Lord. Lord. It's like, well, okay, but. Your mom is in the hospital. Uh, Do you but, want us to go visit her? No need. She's healed in Jesus' name. It's like, okay, guys. And you probably had this happen to you plenty of times. I did. Still do occasionally. Yeah. Somebody with a major issue in life coming to you in private and going, listen, I'm not sharing this with everybody. Right. But only the people who I know will have faith and be positive. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, like, they're, they have somebody on the deathbed, and they're not letting the community at large know about it mm -hmm. because they don't trust the community. They're afraid at, someone might speak doubt. Right. They're going to they're gonna be – so I'm telling you this because And I'm God's no, like, I would have healed her, but that one guy folded his arms. Right. It's like, very, that's what we that's – our, that's our view of God. Well, it's faith as its own centerpiece. It's like – it's faith as a mechanism, too. It's faith as like a get-rich-quick scheme or something. Right. Like we figured a, a loophole around God's favor, yeah. and all we got to do is just not tell the doubters. And because, <laughs> and because of that, it's, I'm telling you, like, faith as its own end. And I don't mean faith in the sense of a relationship with God, because right. these are interchangeable Or like terms. a trust, yeah. Right. Like, okay, I didn't, I'm not talking about leaving the faith. Uh -huh. The faith is something different. My faith with Jesus. I'm talking about faith as a specifically as a uh, fruit of the spirit or a gift of the spirit, because it's both mm -hmm. 
So in a in a charismatic Pentecostal type or even I think evangelical circles, some of them in general, it becomes another measurable. Yeah, yeah. It becomes a metric by which you say, okay, if and I was having this conversation with a friend yesterday who's going to be a guest on the podcast in the future, by the way, one of our mutual friends, Carlos Rono. We're talking about this. He's PhD, just a brilliant guy. And we're talking about how like it's it became for a lot of people the and he used the example like there was this hole in the table. He goes, like, it became for a lot of people, they can't deal with the lack of re- of logic mm-hmm. in the suffering they're facing or they, they, they can't connect these dots. And so this becomes a convenient thing to put over that hole yeah. to connect the dots. And it, it looks like this. It looks like, hey, I prayed for someone to be healed. They're not getting better. They die. Okay. Now... And I do believe in healing, by the way, Johnny, and yeah. I've experienced that. Right. So I'm not throwing that. Some people go so far that throw that out. We, we turn cessationist and say, well, God doesn't do anything miraculous yeah. in the modern age. I think breathing is miraculous myself uh, based upon the fact that I'm supposed to be dead in sin. So the fact that God allows any life is miraculous. But I think also the things we're not expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and And so – you get to this place where I can't deal with the fact this person died. My faith says that if I have enough, so my religious faith says that my gift of faith, if it's enough, then this person would have been healed because anything I ask in Jesus' name will be granted to me, right? So therefore, now I have this dissonance or this discrepancy, and I don't know what to do with it. So, so it has to be one of two things. Either God failed me mm-hmm. or I failed God by not having enough faith. And so the whole like have more faith movement, yeah. it was our whole childhood. And it's still a lot today. Like if you just had more faith, because Jesus did say, if you had faith, but I think we really miss this whole, like, I don't know if faith, I think it's, think of it like the religious, like the, the faith. Uh-huh. If I trust in Jesus for all things, it's, it, it's, and that's why he said, Hey, how much faith increase our faith? And he goes, look, I don't need to. Yeah. If you had enough of a mustard seed, that's enough because I'm the source of the miracle, not your uh, ability to clench your fists and try harder right. at believing. And so there, and there's that whole Terry culture. And I'm using a very religious term there Yeah, where we wait and tarry in the presence of God. The And I'm all about, listen, I, it's there. there. If you look at when Peter was in prison, you know, uh, the people are having an all night prayer meeting, praying for him. And then mm-hmm. an earthquake comes and his chains fall off and an angel leads him out and he walks up to the prayer meeting. They're still there. So there's a time, I think, for us to to, to venture into that. But I'm, what I guess I'm trying to say is that faith culture, back to the brokenness, and you were talking about um, the meth addict who had cancer and like all of these mixing of, of ethical dilemmas yeah. and being able to look at someone who would normally be the villain in our old culture and say that there's more than one thing going on here. Yeah. And that there's, there's uniqueness. I, I see that even that's where the sermon is going. Like, Hey, I am a broken person. I don't want then though to become a disciple of brokenness. I'm yeah, a disciple yeah. of Jesus. Or, be, or celebrate your brokenness to the point where you're like celebrating a, a sinful, you know what I'm saying? Like that's the, right. where it would cross over where you're like, yeah, I'm broken, but we're trying to walk towards light. We're trying, you know, that's why we're not hiding our brokenness. That's part of not hiding the brokenness. Well, and again, it's a, it's a, hey, but also Jesus is, is healing the brokenness. And I want to show you how mm-hmm. I may have a bad day, but it, it, there needs to be, I, read, yeah. I forget what quote it was. Maybe it was Spurgeon. You know, like it's not a, a, 
a person who proclaims their sinfulness and that sinfulness never changes is missing sort of the whole point. Mm. It doesn't mean I don't always have to fight that, but there should be this, yeah. there should be advancement. It may take a long time, but there should be advancement yeah. in that. So there's that balance between seeing the good of what Jesus is doing in my brokenness and re- rejoicing. Yeah. I can rejoice in this because Christ is in it. Yeah. And there's a, you know, there's, we talked about the, the idea of vulnerability and showing people your struggles and how we grew up in. And I know sometimes it feels like we pile on so much of like church culture, especially like what we grew up in. There was so much good. Obviously we're still here. So there had to be some good. There's good, there was good roots. Just a lot of, there's some peripheral things that we have discarded and, and, uh, we deconstruct or we talk about, but, uh, Part of what is interesting to me when you see people now, even as people write books, uh, and not every book that's coming out of a Christian culture is necessarily as good as the next. Just because you have the ability to write a book doesn't mean, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people think, oh, he wrote a book. This must be, what he has to say is perfect. But um, I'm very offended. You're seeing, (laughs) yeah. But no, you're seeing people be more real. And I think we grew up in an era where you didn't want to show anything about yourself that because you don't want to dis, you don't want to dissuade people from believing in God, so you're afraid of like showing any like if you had your own doubts, you would never put that in a book, right? You know, because I we grew up in Word of Faith movement. And it was like, I mean, uh, Lester Summerall that was his famous quote: "Feed your feed your faith and starve your doubts to death." Yeah, that was his whole thing. Anything in his life that would have caused him to question, he just like shut it out. Yeah. And that was his solution. Like, I don't want to hear that. That's doubt talk. And so to me, that doesn't, that doesn't ring true. That almost feels like um, a cult, yeah. like where you just go, all right, we're going to be in Scientology. And how we do this is we don't let any other ideas in, mm-hmm. you know, we program you. And then if any other ideas get in they're uh, what do they call them? Uh, gosh, what do they call them? Oppress- a suppressive person. That's a, John's being a suppressive person because he said Scientology might not be real. Yeah. And so you just, I just cut you out of their life and they split families up. It's the whole thing. And so to me, when somebody says there's no room in their, in their, for questions or in like that, in their relationship with God, they want this kind of blind, that never really rang true for me. So that, to me, that was the hole in the word of faith movement from the get go, not just the prosperity stuff where you had people buying jets and, and just that craziness. But, but, but to your point about, just openness about who you are, it shows a depth to the gospel. You hope that it's not just about like, and then everything was great. It's like we talked about the race, uh, uh, the racial unrest that we've been going through the past year. That's kind of really come to bear. Obviously we've had racial unrest in this country for a long time, which is why it's kind of come to a boil. But it's like, we talk about that. It's like, this has come to boil. It's come to bear because we're, we're coming to grips with it. And people are like, but it's been there. It's been there the whole time. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know. No, it, it, you're, you're exactly right. It's insulting to act like it's to, to many people who are, this is their reality. Yeah. You know, I had that conversation yesterday too, <clears throat> for us to act like it's just now happening. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think that you deal with this, this deconstructionist, way of thinking. And that's a very scary word for a lot of people, but I think you're right. It's all about another, another word we can easily roll our eyes at, but I think people will not tolerate something that's inauthentic. They will tolerate to a certain point. 
especially in the modern age. I think that's a, above all people want that. Um, and that's why they're willing for a villain's actions will be, will be accepted if they're authentic over mm-hmm. a heroes that are not, or you can relate to it. Like, uh, even when, I mean, I was thinking about it the other day. Somebody was talking about like when the Bill Clinton thing happened with the Lewinsky scandal, like there was a, I mean, how many, how many people were cheating on their spouses? Right. So there was like almost like this, there's a kinship you feel. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's hard to judge when you're in the same boat when you're like, ah, oh, how he shouldn't be doing that. He's the president. Well, I mean, half marriage is in a divorce. Yeah. It's like this thing of when you watch a character like, uh, uh, Walter White on Breaking Bad, it's like the reason there's a character like that, or I was thinking about the first time I remember thinking that you kind of almost cheered for the bad guy was when I saw the the first reboot of Batman when you had mm-hmm. the Jack Nicholson Joker. And he was infinitely more interesting than Michael Keaton's Batman, like right. by tenfold. Uh, he was just this wacky, evil guy, but he had this backstory of how he became this. And the the origin stories of the bad guys are always better. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's an interest there. And the, but, I, but I do, to my original point, like, it, has it spiraled out of control? You see all, almost every show has like the, who are the good guys? You're looking around like, who's the good guy in this show? Like, <laughs> right. they're all just different levels of gross. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, th- and that's the thing. Like, where does a, this is why I think the gospel is such a key to it and where we're, people are struggling um, is okay, if all we do is talk about brokenness and all we do is talk about we're all broken, we're all broken, we're all broken, then where does it come that there's a change or where does it come that we have a chance to, to say, hey, this needs to change? Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, there was a big thing that blew up on social media. It was based off of a, of a series that was on Amazon, and one of the episodes was about the sin of empathy. We talked about that a little oh, bit. Oh, right, yeah. And the, the idea, I didn't watch, um, I haven't gone through, but just what I've read on it, the, the gist of it is this, that today, anyone who has experienced pain or trauma that, and we talked about a few episodes back, it's, it's not that, it's like you don't question them mm-hmm. because, you know, you don't want to be found in that judgmental place. But because of that, and I think that's where they're using the wrong word, I don't think that's tr- true. Empathy is not, not questioning to me, mm-hmm. not gospel empathy. Um, now, I will say this, I've had to learn in the hard way, and I'm learning still, somebody who's experienced <clears throat> something, I don't just get to, because I heard about it from them, mm-hmm. start telling them the things that would be good for them to change or to address this way of thinking. I have to be invited mm-hmm. to do that. And just them telling me is not an invitation. I spent a lot of my life thinking that was an invitation. <clears throat> and the truth is, it may not be. Right. And so I will ask, like, listen, hey, man, that's horrible, and I'm sorry. And if they never invite someone into that, then yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be the guy. I think I think the church trying to go places are not invited is is a difficult one. You know, you think about Jesus's methods, and you think about like the story of uh, the triumphant entry, which is what this week is Palm Sunday. What what you really miss is all the other stories happening right there that you're very familiar with, and one of those is Zacchaeus's. And when Jesus comes into town, he looks up in a tree and sees this guy and he engages him. He's a wee little man. He's a wee little man. And the deal is, he says, I'm going to go to your house today. And the thing that they got most upset with Jesus about was besides uh, uh, allowing himself to be proclaimed the son of God, which is this is the absolute 
climax of that entire part of the story. He's mm-hmm. kind of disappeared into the the scene, and now it reaches this apex. And they say, "Blessed is the one who comes. Blessed is the the Lamb of God. Mm-hmm. You know all those things. He who comes in the name of the Lord." And he and they say, "Stop them!" And he says, "Look, if I stopped him, the rocks would cry out." Basically, he's saying they're right. So he finally he knows the time has come. To not hide that. Yeah. But besides that, what they were most upset with him about was that he ate with sinners. Yeah. If you go and look, it was a really big deal in Jewish culture. He ate with them. And it's not the act of eating that un- all the uncleanliness that could be in there in their culture. It's the it's an unclean person. Right. And you as a teacher should not be around anybody who's unclean. But he reached them relationally. And if you read that story, uh, when someone, Zacchaeus in particular, who's robbed people... Like we never have a record of Jesus to ever telling him anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't say go make this right to the power of yeah. whatever. Like, didn't he give back like fourfold? Yeah, or something? he gave. He he rose up because Jesus ate with him. Yeah, the, the now look, there's a time to say what's right and wrong. I get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to act like Zacchaeus didn't already know. I think yeah, that, he knew it was wrong. That's where we insult people, and that's where I think the Romans passage about that we all have this instinctive. You know, I think that those things can be instinctive idea of of what is God's standard. I do think that that standard and that idea can be affected greatly, almost like out of conditioning, cultural conditioning over time. You can begin to believe something is okay that is not. Yeah. But it will always produce a, an, a, a bad result. I do believe that because there's a wage to all of our sin, if you want to call it that. And, and that whether it's immediate physical death, it, it, it leads. So my anger towards my wife, whether it feels justified in my culture or not, almost yeah. always leads to some level of death in our relationship. I feel the negative. There's yeah. something negative. It never, it never leads to positive. You know? Yeah, and I find it interesting in, in secular culture, outside the church, which I, I'm in, I have a foot in both worlds because I work in comedy, I work in comedy clubs some, and I see you know, comedy culture at large, which is largely just, you know, it's a lot of left-leaning yeah, I have a lot of left leaning, but I'm seeing this with cancel. You see what's wrong with cancel culture. This may be a story that you don't know about, but there was a comic named Shane Gillis. Well, Shane Gillis was got got on Saturday Night Live, but you never saw him because they unearthed some podcast he had done a year before where he made an insensitive joke about Asians or something. It was just some dumb aside that he said. Yeah, they blew it up, and uh, they said this is not you know, and they they made a big stink on Twitter about it. He did not get the job. That was almost two years ago. So somebody who's talking about this anti, this the anti Asian uh, you know the the hate crimes that are going on now, this uh, very left leaning comic female comic, a writer on several big shows, uh, she starts posting this railing up against this guy again still because he's still a comedian and he's still out there, and a lot of people are holding him up as this like this is what's wrong that this guy had no path to redemption even though he apologized he was his his dream job was taken away from him. Mm-hmm. And some people's like, well, look, actions have consequences. Where's the line? And and I told you about that, Sarah Silverman saying that, like, there's no path to redemption with cancel culture. You can grow, and then they still find a tweet you wrote 20 years ago when you were 17, yeah. and they hold you to it. Because even people who don't know God, they know right and wrong, and they want blood. They right. want Justice. A, a penalty. Yes. And so, and, and really, if what's funny about Christianity is it's one of the only that offers just a it stops. It's not you pay and you pay and you pay like with reincarnation or like it stopped with the cross. That's one of the most fascinating things about mm. the Christian belief. And so outside of that, the cancel culture, it's like we eat our own. So she comments on this after the, the shootings, 
and said, the stuff that Shane Gill has said you know, a year and a half ago is hate speech and it breeds the kind of violence that we're seeing and just starts railing on him again and again. Somebody goes and finds a tweet that she wrote when she was 17 about how she's going to eat Thai food and she hopes it doesn't have cat in it. Mm. Just the thing that a 17-year-old would say, a sure. dumb, stupid trope about Asian culture that, you know, she is regrettable. But now she's this far left, like, so woke. It's You know, it's and so she literally is trapped because then they came after her. The far right people found those tweets. They hold her up and she had to release a statement and she lost her job as a writer on this show. She said, I still do believe that my own speech was like it was either like double down on. Mm-hmm. I believe that I, too, should be held accountable or just go, look, I wrote that when I was 17 and I don't believe that stuff anymore. And neither did Shane. Who right. I See, you have to either forgive him and mm-hmm. forgive yourself or you have to go, we all deserve to die. I'll just lose my job. And that's where it's like there's no real reconciliation when we just want blood and vengeance. And that's the thing I think the gospel offers that the world is maybe like we're not presenting in the best light, you know. And well, so that's they, fascinating. Outside of, outside of what we have, you're just seeing st- people still want rules. They still want vengeance. They still – it's like the only hope outside of it, like we have it. It's just that we're terrible at marketing it somehow. We're not – you know what I'm saying? We're marketing all the judgy sides of what the church does. And what we really have is a path to redemption. You can be one person mm-hmm. and say awful and horrible things. Then you can really grow past it and really change. Yeah. And now we've got the, the world is supposed to be like this. Do what you want. Feel what you want. It doesn't matter. There is no right and wrong. And now they're coming after each other. It's a, yeah, the, the, the path and this, man, you said it so well, like all this stops at the cross and that's about super offensive to the culture. If you don't believe in the, in repentance and the cross, right? Because, you want to hold certain things accountable, but you never want to hold yourself but, accountable. Right. But it's always, and that's, and the, the gospel is very clear about this. The amount it's in this principle. Hey, the amount of judgment or the amount of mercy that you show to others mm-hmm. will be what eventually in sowing and reaping comes back to be the amount of mercy or the amount of judgment right. shown to you. That's why I told someone that this week, the most probably transformational part of recovery was realizing that because of the cross, every sin committed against me by other believers mm-hmm. has already been forgiven. So if I believe all my sins, past, present, and future have been forgiven, that counts for all the other people who are trusting in Christ as well, which means the sins against me, like it, it's they're either transferred to the thing I say I believe on the cross or they're not. Yeah. Now it doesn't mean, and let's be clear, this is where people freak out about that. I'm, I'm taking you like into step four, you know, kind of thing and step one, three, yeah. th- there's a process here to say it doesn't, it doesn't mean it shouldn't be acknowledged. It doesn't right. mean we forgive and then we forget. That's not in the Bible. It's nothing about forgetting except God, you know, choosing to not remember the right. things against us. I don't think it's a literal, uh, or else Paul, every time he preached the gospel about his past sin, yeah. God's going, what are you talking about? Like, I don't think God's making himself ignorant. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think what that, you know, it's in the Psalms of, you know, th- that you forget our sins. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a poetic metaphoric. Like I'm not holding these against you it's as if it never happened, but I remember, but it's just my love for you right. chooses for that not to be held against you. Um, so in that, in that respect, yeah, it is just a sowing and reaping thing that if I come after somebody else, that standard will be used against me in some way. 
it's not like it's just it's not a cursing it's just a way of the universe because the universe is reflective of its creator and so there is a justice there that's what's so funny in seeking after justice right it will come for you next it is and it's weird because it's like like you say the people who are that i know that aren't believers and many of them are good i mean they're good people i'm not it's not about that it's just it's so funny like I, i know people who are like Look, I'm a good person. I'm a whatever. I live my life. There's, but now you see the the logic of like in Twitter. You're either like that's a good guy or that's a garbage person. It's yeah. it's so black and white in a world that they tried to convince us for years was so gray. Yeah, and now it's like coming to bear. It's like we understand that if someone commits something, there has to be a penalty, and either needs to be poured out on something, or it needs to be like taken out on them. They should lose everything they have for something they wrote when they were a kid. We literally are doing that because of social media. You find a ball player that just signs a huge contract. I guarantee you his agents calling him, going, "Find the tweets yeah. that you don't want to be seen because this deal gets announced tomorrow, and you know TMZ is going to be in your Twitter feed. So go find every Instagram that you liked that you wish you hadn't liked and unlike it." Like, they know people are coming for you. Well, these are the people that were supposed to be all like, do what you want. Nobody cares. We care. We know in our hearts that there should be, that we're in the wrong. And it's just a matter of, like, who gets the blame? The only thing for me is, and again, whoever the they is, quote unquote, is I just feel like it's us. It is us. That's what I mean. It's like, it's just a matter of, like, have you accepted the gift. Yeah, I think the conserva woke people are again the counter woke people who are just woke to liberal yeah. wokeness, and they spend their life railing against those yeah. they think are railing against them. Yeah, it, Johnny, it's just a double rail. Is it's what two it is. sides and of the there's same. There's a train on that rail. Two sides of the same wicked going, coin. Oh my goodness! But I do believe it's the same thing. And, and to what it, you've nailed it already. But what is the thing that makes it all work? <laughs> so. Again, I've said this last week. I, I was it was with a family member. I, I had a long and very mean conversation <laughs> where I said mean things because you're willing with people you trust. And the only thing that makes it okay, it's not okay, mm-hmm. and it's not, is I have to be willing to repent. Even if I'm right, I have to be willing to repent. And repentance is doesn't it doesn't remove all the consequences. There are still consequences of that. There's still pain inflicted, but. Repentance means I'm not going to be held fully accountable for all that should happen to me here. I can I can deal with the social consequences and humility of this between us. Yeah. And I think that there's some things that the consequences are greater. You do deal with someone with true like trauma. You know, that's something about recovery. People to understand forgiveness. This is what's so beautiful about forgiveness. Real biblical forgiveness doesn't always require that even the other person knows you've done it. Mm-hmm. There are some situations you don't need to go back to your attacker or whatever and let right, them know right. because that's a painful, like that's a transfer of a debt that is owed uh, towards you that you're now saying, hey, I'm going to put that on Jesus at the cross. I'm now believing just as I transferred my debts that I'm going to allow this. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. It also wasn't fair for me to be forgiven. And and that's then realizing the true gospel, like that my debts are not smaller than someone else's. They may be, they may have different consequences. My debts were enough that the son of God, the sinless son of God, his life was required for what my, for my, this is where again, people go, well, that's crazy. You're, 
The Bible never says all sins are the same. It's just saying we're all equally in need mm-hmm. of rescue. We're all equally dead. And that's the thing I've, you may have heard me say before. If you go to the old Civil War battlefield, if you could go back in time and you walked up, you know, Civil War, I found out one of my family members, because I'm doing some genealogy research right now, I saw that he died. He was um, a, so his nephew fought for the Confederacy. He was an uncle who was in the cavalry in the Union. Yeah. They're both from DeKalb County, Tennessee. I mean, just this whole brother versus brother thing is crazy because it's just very true in that one family. Uh, both named John, by the way. Hmm. So, yeah, let that go. And so, but John, the union guy, was older, and he died in 1865. And so I asked this new family member that I've met, I said, I'm assuming he died in the war, in a battle. And he told me yeah, he died of uh, a disease Yeah, at the very end of the war. Wow. And of the 600,000 people or soldiers who died in the civil war i mean a lot of them died from disease but they're still casualties of that war a lot of them then died of a wound that would not kill us today but they had no knowledge they're, they're not they're not right, sterilizing the instruments. Or whatever, yeah. yeah and so that's why they just had to amputate almost everything was, mm-hmm. they started figuring out we cannot stop the spread of infection because a normal little wound would kill so point is if you really take in that the breadth of that level of mortality and death yeah. and gore. And you could kind of walk up and see, I mean, people are dying in the battlefield of disease often. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they'll, they're pinned down and they have a small wound and they can't get out for a couple of days. They can't get back and that's it. You know, yeah. it's already set in. You know, someone else is dying of starvation. Someone else is dying of exposure during the winter. Someone like, if you could just see this, this, I mean, it's a horrible image, but this, all these people die, see them all laying there dead. Yeah. One thing you can't say is the guy who got killed with a musket ball right. is more dead than the guy who died right. of scurvy. They're all dead. doesn't matter how they got there. I think that's the whole comparison of sin thing. If you really grasp that, like, it doesn't really matter, you know, how I got here. I could tell you I have a more moral life than the guy in prison. Yeah. But we're equally dead. <laughs> we, didn't do, we didn't do equal things to get there. I'm just saying we're equally dead and in need. And that's a, that's a challenge to a comparative culture right, right. where it's all about I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad as the liberal. I'm not as bad as the conservative. I'm not as bad as the bigot. I'm not – like when you just go, look, right. it doesn't matter about me being bad. It's about me being dead. <laughs> that's yeah. really the comparison yeah. that, that matters. We're all there. So, How do you stop spiritual scurvy? That's what's your next uh, – uh, Dude. Vitamin wow. C. For Christ, John. <laughs> even over there, even over there. <laughs> I was just trying to figure out the church sign, Stew it on that. the marquee. The church I've never marquee. seen a vitamin C church marquee. I've only seen the uh, B one. B one, friends. That's how you vitamin. It would be like vitamin C, like taste and see, like S C E. Oh, oh, wow. hold on. You got a taste. Do you? How many church signs do you see? I see them a lot. How many church signs do you see out there that? Uh, in, they interchange the spelling of sun with S-U-N and S-O-N. Or that, if it's an event, it's always like sunshine. All camp. the time, yeah. 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 It's a lot of churches. When sunrise. you see them just put S-U-N, you're like, well, they aren't even trying. <laughs> it's like a bummer. You mean the actual sun? Oh what, are you worshiping goodness. the stars now? Wow, what, are you an astrology? What is this, some like ancient Egyptian heresy? Good grief. Oh, my goodness. It's like, you know, God did create the sun, Johnny. He did. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. It's crazy. Actually, I'm not sure that happened in chapter 1. It, Sorry. It's like... I've, when you read about that stuff, like if we were any closer to the sun, that we would just burn up. Yeah. If we were any farther away, we'd freeze to death. Yeah. Which makes me go, what if I jump really high? <laughs> That's not good. 
<laughs> you know? Are you in more danger? I'm not. Uh, I mean, I'm, not, I'm in no danger. You've seen, seen me you play. jump. You're not I'm in, not any, in danger. any danger. I'm yeah. tethered to the ground. Yeah. More gravity than most. Do you watch For All Mankind on Apple Plus? No. The About them going to the moon? It's like an alternate reality. You world. mean faking the moon landing? Oh, my God. Oh, stop it. I believe it. It's, this, it's season two now. It's really interesting. It's, oh, a whole, check it out. it's a whole idea of what if the Russians beat us to the moon. Oh, right. So it's like this alternate reality of, you know, Interestingly enough, the things that happened, like who got us, it's just again. Which come to find out, they had nothing, right? It was like total smoke and mirrors with their space program. I think I think I've seen. I thought I saw a thing where they were like they weren't even close, but it was like the fear of that made us just go to the umpteenth level. That I'm not sure because I know they sent they had Sputnik, but it was just like in, in orbit. The thing that ends up happening, oddly enough, because of the butterfly effect, that you know, if you change one thing, it changes all the others. Is that women astronauts like become very prevalent like it actually advances huh. the women's right movement women's rights movement in america in a totally different way huh. anticipated and like some people who got assassinated don't get assassinated because just in this alternate universe that one little thing could have affected uh, he was almost shot today but he wasn't you know i think maybe he was nixon, in space i think nixon no, may have stayed in office not. for eight years in this alternate reality like okay. there's all these weird things but reagan becomes president again you know so we're in the 80s now so it's fascinating but I don't know why we went. Oh, space and sun. The final and, frontier. Yeah, yeah. So there, yeah. <laughs> Vitamin C. Vitamin C, guys. Um, hey, man, thank you guys for listening today. And uh, we're actually going to end this episode. It's 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 this is the right time. Oh, it's fine. The deal is you got to go pick up your yeah, daughter. Weather is coming in there. Let school out two hours early. We're expecting so some had... severe storms today. We hope yeah. no no more tornadoes. We're on the very like near the anniversary of last yeah. year's terrible storms. So we know some PTSD is going around today for some of our friends yeah, and family. Absolutely, man. It's um... so we hope that everybody's well. This will already have aired, but we hope everything goes well. We're yeah. praying for the best. But yeah, it's kind of an unpredictable time. Next few hours will be pretty unpredictable. Yeah, and it's hard because we're recording this. Pre that, so yeah. you'll hear this five days after whatever happened or didn't happen. Yeah. So, well, uh, there we go. Yeah. So, but um, I, you know, I've ever told you my theory about uh, you can pray for something after the fact. I had this whole theory that prayers are effective after the fact. So, like, if someone, it probably came because of someone asking me to pray oh. and I didn't, and they're like, "Hey, I just got out of surgery. I'm great. Thanks for praying." You're like, "Oh man, I forgot to pray. I forgot to pray." So you know what I do? What I pray right then. Okay. God help him through his surgery. You're going, well, you already know the outcome. How is that possible? Because God's not confined to time. My future prayer, he knew already I was going to do it, and mm. he can go and answer it in the past. Guys, if you've already passed the moment. This feels like you're justifying your laziness and not wanting to pray for that person. Well, I try to do that, too. I, oh, not justify. Boy. I try to just pray in the moment. But the deal is you can keep praying for things that have already happened because God can still affect them. You know what? You have time travel, don't you? Yes. Be honest with me. I'm you, here from the future right now. <laughs> there's a flux capacitor under your desk. <laughs> thought I heard a humming. Oh, my goodness. And you can travel back in time as well, listener. Oh, you can. The, archives. the archived episodes. Yep. Over 150 now. It's amazing. Uh, on talkaboutthatpodcast.com, you can go to our Patreon, kick mm. in a few shekels if you feel it. Don't feel pressured. Don't, no. We're not televangelists. You don't no. have to stretch your hands towards the We don't have a jet. Device. It's like a Cessna. It is. It's a twin <laughs> twin engine thing at best. We're still working on the hours to be able to fly it. It's got the propellers and yeah, but it's not loud. It sounds like we're making smoothies in the back. It's a really low. Hum. Oh yeah, we don't do it because it's not a lot of fun. Yeah, but uh, but you could still help though. You could if you want. Yeah, help great. us repair the Cessna. We appreciate that's kinda, it. <laughs> that's the kind of televangelists we are. Please, our plane is probably not safe if you don't <laughs> give if you don't give something. So no, check it out though. Um, and check out Johnny as well, all of his comedy specials, man, but especially right now. His oh, yeah, the Dry Bar special, and yeah. uh, I have the, still have the one on Amazon Prime as well, and mm-hmm. uh, more cool things coming out, new clips coming out every day, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. 
uh, hey, you know, we hope you guys are moving towards some normalcy. Uh, vaccinations are happening. They are. And that's exciting. I'm half, we're half vaccinated. We're, we're half vaccinated. Johnny and I are both half vaccinated. And we'll tell that story over next week. Uh, be interesting how it happened, where we went. Because, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating story. Yeah, and, uh, people's, vaccine, people's vaccine stories are going to be the new. <laughs> My wife did get to go downtown and give vaccinations she gave for eight hours. Eight hours of yeah, her time. She's a, she's a frontline hero. She is, man. She's my hero. And, uh, she's really it's, good at giving shots, too. This is a funny story I tell you sometime. Is it, what, but, I mean, she doesn't know the fallout. Like, these people probably have really sore arms. They're not happy with your wife. I don't know. I'm pretty happy. There was a lot oh, of she tears. was so fast. She did 400. Whoa. Yeah, but maybe what if she... We don't right. know. We maybe, don't know. Maybe she should have slowed down. Exactly. <laughs> she's just next and just pounding them through. it in their neck and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, right. Hey, that wasn't even my arm. Was that alcohol prep pad? Is it supposed to go in your eyeball? Oh, this feels goodness. worse than COVID. <laughs> I don't know. Laura is a hero, though. She really is. Uh, Beautiful. Proud, proud, so. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Talk About Man. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.